All right, guys, it is good to see you all tonight. So good to be here with you. If you're new with us tonight, I just want to say welcome. I'm super glad you came tonight and joined us. I hope that you feel at home here and you feel warmly welcomed and loved, and I pray that you would encounter God's love tonight. If you're returning, I'm glad you're still with us at this point in the semester, right? You made it to April. It's incredible. A lot of times throughout the year as people get busy, people can kind of, you know, not come as much because it's busy. So you are, or have made it in April. So pat yourself on the back if you've been here since the beginning. Good job, guys. It's good to see you all. So uh, yeah, just before I came to you and I as a freshman, it's been about eight years ago now. Just before I came, I had recommitted my life to Jesus. Uh, so I grew up in church, but like just before, uh, or my last couple years of high school, I kind of, you know, fell away, so to speak. And then right before I came to you and I, I had this radical encounter with God, just where I really, for the first time, fully grasped his love for me. Uh, before, I kind of thought that um, his approval of me was based upon how well I performed that week, as far as, like, behaviorally, and I performed really badly most of the time, so I didn't really know if God loved me. But then right before I came to you and I, I encountered God's love, and I realized that it didn't matter what I did, it, it didn't matter how far I had fallen that God's love would not run out on me. And when you really get that truth, it changes you. When you really, really get that inside of you, like you allow God's love to kind of truly get into you, it changes you. So something happened to me uh, when I encountered God's love where I just was a fireball for Jesus, and not in a good way necessarily all the time. I was just really fired up, okay? I didn't really know what to do, but I was fired up, okay? So super passionate, you know, wanted to post about Jesus every day on social media, didn't really know how to reach anybody or how to do the things that I felt in my heart, but I just had this passion, okay? And I went to fall retreat that uh, fall semester uh, with Chi Alpha, and I experienced this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We talked about it on Friday, if you came to Heaven Meets Earth, and I experienced this, and then I even felt more like a fireball, okay? So I was just like pumped up, and I remember, like there was one time uh, I was walking to class with my friend Emery White. If you know who he is, some of you might know. But we're walking to class. It's like super cold outside. It's like 30 degrees. And we're just like dreaming as freshmen. Like, how can we reach this entire campus? And honestly, I had no idea. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I was too scared to talk to people who didn't know Jesus. I thought, like, how can we do it without having to talk to people we don't know? That's very difficult, right? <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I was dreaming and all this stuff. But to be honest, during my time as a student, and I was here for two years as a student, I didn't really reach anybody. I was fired up, pumped. I would get so jacked in Chi Alpha. But as far as reaching people outside these walls, I did not do well. Now, if someone came into Chi Alpha, into a service on a bring a friend night or something, oh, I was the first one to connect with them. Because, you know, they're already here. They have to be kind of open to God. And but as far as like talking to people in my classes, I was horrible. <laughs> I never shared my faith. And I say that, one, as a confession, but as two, to say, I think you guys can do better than I did. I hope. Okay, so at the time with Chi Alpha, we didn't even have a campus pastor who lived here. Um, he actually lived in Des Moines, okay? And he drove up once a week, barely saw him. He'd come and preach and did a great job, but didn't have someone here full time. We didn't have small groups. I was a fireball with no direction, okay? And what we've tried to do over the last few years is develop a ministry where you can jump in and, and find a way to serve God and, and find a way to reach people with your friends, okay? We've tried to develop a strategy, mainly through small groups, on how you can reach the campus, okay? So it's been incredible. These last four years, God has done inc incredible things as uh, the ministry had pretty much 
died at one point, and then I came back in 2015 and started leading it. And it's been incredible as you guys have jumped in, and we've seen many people come to know the Lord, and it's been incredible. So what I'm saying to you, that's what I'm saying right now, is you have an incredible opportunity. Like you have friends around you who love the Lord. Okay, there's a lot of people in this room who love Jesus, and they want to reach the campus. You have people who you can lock arm in arms with and go and bring the love of God to a campus. And sometimes we take advantage of that. We're like, oh, okay, there's great worship. Okay, I play acoustic guitar, but there's already a great worship team, so I don't need to serve on the worship team. Or, oh, they already got a lot of small group leaders, so I don't need to you know, lead small group. And that's what happens sometimes when something develops. But I want you to take advantage of this community. Dive in and go and reach this thinking campus. Go reach the sinking campus, okay? Because there are 11,000 students on this campus who do not know Christ. And if you claim to believe in Jesus, which some of us do in this room, I hope, you know, many of us do. And if you don't, I hope you at some point maybe would do that. But if you believe in Jesus, then you believe that if someone doesn't know Christ, if they're separated from him, then they won't get to spend eternity with God. And they'll go to a bad place. Hell, right? It's not fun to talk about that. But that's what we believe, like if we really believe this book. So how can we keep our mouth shut all the time and not share the love of God with people? How can we sit up on the mountain, so to speak, as we'll talk about tonight? Uh, if, you, if you throw the graphic up, I'm proud of that picture. I didn't do anything with it. I just you know, threw text over it, but that's a cool picture of a mountain. Okay, so you're up on the mountain. <laughs> okay, so you're up on the mountaintop hanging out with God on Tuesday nights or in small groups, but then you never go down the mountain. and You never share your faith with anybody. And I'm not saying you, I'm saying we. And guys, I'm telling you, God is doing something in this community. He's stirring something up where we're going to keep going on the mountain, right? We're going to experience God. But God is going to call us to get off the mountain, too, and go and reach this campus. I'm believing. I'm, every year I believe this, you know, so it's not anything new. But I'm believing that God is going to compel us this year, this coming fall and the rest of this spring, to reach more students than ever before, okay? And that's what this series is about. This, this series is called We Can't Stay Here, as you can see, uh, based upon the picture. <laughs> And what I'm believing is that God is going to raise up a generation of students. I'm talking about you. I don't even care if you don't know Jesus yet, okay? I believe God wants to, first of all, bring you into relationship with him, but then also call you into the greatest story that's ever been told, the greatest story that's ever happened, which is the story of God redeeming the world to himself, right? I believe God is raising up a generation of students who won't wait for people to come to them to ask them about Jesus, but will go to their friends and share the love of God with them. I believe that God is raising up a generation of students who are so filled with the love of God and the spirit of God that sometimes you don't even have to say anything because, because people see God in you. They see heaven in your eyes, and they know that something's different about you because, because you're so humble, you're so loving. Like when someone cuts you off in traffic, you don't flip them off, but you say, Jesus loves you, right? Tyler, you need to work on that. I'm kidding. Tyler's like the most humble guy ever. I'm believing that God is going to do something where we have these mountaintop experiences, where we encounter the God of love, but then we let that love flow out of us and we reach our friends. So with that said, we're kicking off this series, We Can't Stay Here. And this series is based on the story of the Israelites. If you've read the Old Testament at all, there's the story of the Israelites and how they were uh, freed from Egypt, okay? And then God told them that they were going to go and find this promised land and establish a nation. And what we're going to do is read about this story from specifically Deuteronomy chapter 1 and Joshua 1 throughout the next four weeks and see how God is calling us into a promised land, so to speak. And the promised land is seeing many people come to know Jesus, right? And we're going to talk about that. So uh, this, whole, uh, this whole series is based upon verse 6 of chapter 1 of Deuteronomy, if you throw it up on the screen. It says, The Lord our gods are said to us in Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai, if you've heard of that. He said, You have stayed, or stayed long enough at this mountain. 
okay? And then tonight's sermon will be called, it'll be called Long Enough. And the idea is that we can't just stay on the mountain. There has to come a point where we say, we've been here long enough, and there's a lost and dying world around us, and we need to go and reach them with the gospel. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Does anyone know what the Pentateuch or the Torah is? Okay, if you took Humanities 1, you should know what that is, right? Okay, so Pentateuch, Torah, it's the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And Christians believe that the first five books are written by Moses. If you don't believe that, that's okay. Uh, it's not a gospel issue. But that's what we believe. And, and Moses was the leader who God used to free, the, or to free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and then lead them into the promised land. And Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Torah. It's the last book of the Torah. And it's really a sermon preached by Moses. Okay? It's a sermon preached by Moses to all of Israel right before his death. Okay? So they're standing on the precipice of the promised land, and, and he's kind of recapping uh, their whole story, and he's urging them. He's saying, be faithful to God, be faithful to the laws that he gave you, and go in and claim the promised land. So they're waiting to go into the promised land. After 40 years of wandering around in the desert, they're on the precipice of this. And this is significant because a generation before, so 40 years prior, so just like a year after they were freed from Egypt, they stood at the precipice of the promised land. Okay, so 40 years before Deuteronomy. And they didn't go in and take it because they were too scared. And we'll read, or talk about that in week three, but they were too scared to take it. And now after 40 years of wandering around in the desert, they're back to where they started essentially. And Moses is saying, don't screw it up again, okay? I'm about to die because God told Moses he couldn't go into the promised land. He's like, I'm about to die, and you guys better take this promised land. That's what my whole life was about. Don't ruin it. Okay, so that's essentially what Moses is trying to do is get them to be ready to take the promised land. In a sense, we are not unlike the Israelites. I believe many of you have a vision for our campus. You have a vision for your friends. You love your friends. You love those people you see in your class, and you just hope that they could find Jesus, that they could find a relationship with God. You hope that the campus would be reached. And we're standing on this border of God's promise that he wants to reach all the students on our campus. However, like the Israelites, there are different things that are threatening to make us unsuccessful in fulfilling God's will. I can't go through all of them, but there's a lot of them, like fear, apathy, a ton of things, okay? I'm not going to make you feel bad, but you just think about it. What's preventing you from going and reaching out to your friends? Okay, so over the next four weeks, we're going to use Deuteronomy chapter 1 and and Joshua to show us how we can realize this dream that God has for our campus. So the first sermon is just coming from the first eight verses, and we're just going to be hanging out in this chapter for three weeks, so get excited about it. Okay, I'm going to read it to us, the first eight verses. It says, it says these are the words that, that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan, in the wilderness, in the, I should have like learned how to pronounce these words before, gosh dang it, Lord, why didn't you remind me? In the Arabah, opposite Suf, I have no idea if that's how you say it, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and, and Hazaroth and, and Dizahab. No idea. Okay. <laughs> it is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to, I do know this word, Kadesh Barnea. Okay. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. Okay. After he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites who lived in Heshbon and Og, the king of Bashan, who live in Ashtaroth, and, and why do we care about all this stuff? Okay, and, and Adri, come on, Moses. All right, beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses, okay, I just got to say something, okay? This shows that the Bible is actually real. Like, they point out specific people and places. It's not some myth, 
okay? Like, they go to all these extents to say this person was doing this, he was hanging out with his mom here, he was over there. You know, like, they took, or they went to great lengths to, or to really uh, record what was going on. Okay, so anyways, it's real people in real time and space. All right, so beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, saying, the Lord our God said to us in Horeb that you have stayed, a, stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and, and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country, and in the, in the lowland, and in the Negev, the Negev, I don't know, and by the seacoast, you guys are so mean, uh, the land of the Canaanites, in Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, I got that one right, See, I have set the land before you. Go and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them, or to give to them and to their offspring after them. So you're thinking, how is he going to preach this text? This is a lot of names. All right, I'm excited about it. All right, let's pray over this that the Lord would help me and, uh, and pronounce him better in the future. All right, Jesus, we thank you for who you are. I thank you for my friends that are here tonight. Uh, God, I just pray that, that this text would come alive to us, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us so clearly, God. I pray that you would speak just what we need to hear, Lord. I pray that each person would get a word from the Lord. It might be different for every person, but God, I pray that you would speak through me, Lord. I pray that I'd be your mouthpiece tonight and that each of us would be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first thing I want you to get tonight is this. God has prepared a harvest for us. The first thing we have to get from this passage, is God has a destiny for your life, for you, every one of us. Every one of you, God has a destiny for you. He has a plan for you. God has a plan for us. He has a very, actually, specific purpose for our lives. I'm not talking about the job you're going to have, although that's part of it. But I'm talking about a collective calling that God has called all humans to. And for Israel, their calling in this season was to take possession of the promised land. That was their calling as a people, to go and take possession of the land. In verse 8, we see that says, see, I've set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. So for 40 years, this is what they're working up towards. Think about if for 40 years of your life, you're just wandering around in the desert, and you're not actually doing what you feel like you're called to, and then finally you get to go and, t- and do what God's called you to do. They've been waiting that long. This was their calling, and their calling was to fulfill the call that God had given their father Abraham, so their great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather in Genesis chapter 12, when God called him to go from his home country and to go to the, or to the land that he would show him and to become a father of a great nation. And Abraham's like 90-some years old. His wife is old too. They shouldn't be having kids. They don't have any kids yet. But God says, you're going to have a kid, and he's going to have a lot of kids, and, and they're going to have kids, and then you're going to have a whole nation that you'll be the father of, okay? And these people... We're called to fulfill that. So Genesis chapter 12 says this. This is the call that God gave Abraham uh, just hundreds of years before. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. Okay, so you see here, why did he want to make Abraham's name great? So that he would be a blessing. So God wanted to form a people that would be a blessing to the earth, okay, to the whole earth. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. They were called to be a great nation and to be blessed so that they could be a blessing. Israel was called to be a light to the nations. They were called to love God with their whole heart, to obey his laws, and to be this beacon of light and hope to the world. As people looked at Israel and said, wow, they are 
are living in relationship with the one true living God, that they would maybe be compelled to join them in that. That was their calling. That was Israel's calling. God wanted them to take the promised land so they could or set up a kingdom and kind of be like heaven on earth, so to speak. And people would, the surrounding nations would see them and want to follow that same God. That was their calling. And eventually they would do this. Okay, so Israel failed badly. If you read the Old Testament, they stunk at obeying God. They stunk at loving him. They stunk at being a light to the nation. And they got conquered a lot. But Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the descendant of David, who was a famous king in Israel, and the Son of God would come and be the faithful Israelite. He would obey God completely. He would love God with his whole heart. And he would die on the cross for the sins of the world, being a light to the nations. So although Israel didn't actually end up being the light to the nations, their son was Jesus. Jesus. And now today, all of us sitting in here, most of us are probably not Jewish. And maybe there's a few. But we are worshiping God. We're worshiping Yahweh because Jesus was a faithful Israelite. Okay? And part of that plan, part of, part of the way that that would happen was them taking the promised land. That was part of that whole story that God's had. Okay, so for us today, though, our purpose is not to go take some land, okay? Our purpose is not to go conquer some other nations. Our purpose is to bring the kingdom to earth. Our purpose is to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, to be ambassadors of the prayer. Your kingdom come and your, and your will be done on earth, earth as it is in heaven. That's our calling, to, to plant the kingdom on earth. We are called, like the Israelites, to be God's people, to love him, to obey his commandments, and to plead with the world to be reconciled to God. There's many passages in the New Testament that get at this idea, and I wish I could read all of them because they're incredible, but I'm going to read three. Okay, so bear with me. Matthew 28. If you've grown up in church, you might have heard this, or if you've been to any of my sermons, you've probably heard this because I share it like every other week. It says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That is your calling, to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ, of all nations, every one of us, not just pastors. Every person is supposed to make disciples. And what does it look like to make disciples? Well, it's baptizing them, okay, baptizing in water, them getting saved. It's helping them to obey Jesus. We are all called to invest in people and help them follow Jesus. That's your calling, and I promise you, I promise you, if you don't love Jesus and you don't make disciples, there's gonna be some discontentment in your heart. I promise you'll get to the end of your life and say, I missed it. I thought my calling was all about a job, about fulfilling my dreams, but your calling was to love God and to love people. The best way to do that is to serve God and then help other people serve God. That's your calling. That's my calling. You don't have to be a pastor to do it. Think about if you could go into your jobs, you know, whether you're going to be a teacher or whether you're in the music program, whatever, or go into business, and you could be a light to people. That's what you're called to do. You're not called to put your light under a bowl, as Jesus talks about in Matthew. But instead, you're called to let your light shine before men so that they might be reconciled to God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says this, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Okay, so first God reconciles us, and then what's he do? He gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, we're not only called to be reconciled ourselves, but to help others go and be reconciled. And so oftentimes, guys, oftentimes we're good with being reconciled ourselves, but we don't really want to have to help others be reconciled. That's just the reality, and I'm included in that. 
Okay, and then in verse 19, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. It's beautiful. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, this is the Chi Alpha verse, okay? If you're wondering, why are they called Chi Alpha? Well, this is it. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So Chi for Christ, Alpha for ambassadors, okay? If, you, if you're wondering, there you go. Chi Alpha, Christ ambassadors. That's what we're called to do is to be reconciled and then help other people be reconciled. God has prepared the hearts of millions of people, if not billions of people, who would be reconciled to him if people would go and share the love of God with them. There are, I think, seven billion people on earth, maybe it's eight, but there's a lot of people on earth, and there are many out there who God wants to reconcile, but he has called us to be his ambassadors. He's not gonna do it without our help. Okay, the final verse I'm gonna read from the New Testament about this idea is Matthew chapter nine. It says this, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest at you and I is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There are a lot of Christians on this campus, but there's not a lot of laborers. And I'm not talking about going out and yelling at people. I'm talking about being broken in prayer for your classmates, praying, weeping before the Lord and saying, God, help me to show your love to them. And then when you get opportunities to Share God's love with them, to invite them to come be a part of your small group. How many of you have invited someone to small group this year? Don't raise your hand, because we don't need to toot your horn. I'm just asking a question. If you haven't invited someone yet, do it. You have four weeks left. It's a, it's a small, comfortable space of five to six people, possibly ten, of people just hanging out. That's a great space to bring a non-Christian to. Invite someone, and invite people to Chi Alpha, even on non-bring-a-friend nights, because every night's bring-a-friend night. Okay, God is looking for laborers. The reason that America is kind of sliding away from God, as all the stats say, is not because there aren't enough Christians. It's because there's not enough laborers. So would you be a laborer? Would you be a laborer? I'm asking you to do that. And I don't even care if you're not a Christian yet. Become a Christian tonight and then go be a laborer. Okay? Because God has a calling for you. He wants to use you to change the world. But, but it might not be in the way that you originally thought. It's through laying down your life for others, through following the pathway of Jesus who laid down his life for the world and trying to see others come to know God. All right, God has prepared a harvest. But before they were able to take possession of this land, they had to get to know God. There was a process to it. They didn't just run straight to the promised land right when they came out of Egypt, like slaves trying to run and take a land. Like they had to prepare a little bit, right? Like think about that, like a bunch of slaves who don't have weapons probably going and trying to take a land. It's not a good idea. There was a process for them, okay? And, and, and the main thing they had to do before they could take the land was develop intimacy with God. Okay, so the second point tonight is this. Before we can reap a harvest, we've got to go up the mountain. So I'm not saying don't go up the mountain. I'm saying go up the mountain every single day. I'm just saying don't stay on the mountain. God is calling us to go up, to go up the mountain, okay? So Moses had freed them from captivity in Egypt. They were slaves for hundreds of years under Pharaoh, and God called, it, or called Moses to go and to set them free. And upon leaving Egypt, they traveled through the wilderness, and they arrived at this mountain called, called Mount Sinai. After about seven weeks of wandering, they finally found this mountain. And for about a year, it's only a year of time, they spent a year at the mountain. And what did they do at that mountain? 
Well, first, Moses went up to the mountain often. I think, like, like scholars say, seven or eight times he went up there, and he met with God. And on the mountain, he received the covenant. He received the Ten Commandments, which I know you all love, and the law on the mountain, which I know you love to read. You can read Leviticus anytime you want. And he developed this intimacy with God. He got to know God on the mountain. It says that they were like friends. Think about if you were a friend of God. That's available to you. Did you know that? Like through the Holy Spirit, that's available to you and to me. And that's what Moses got to do. It's like, it says in, in the scripture, it's like they talked face to face. And not only that, God didn't just reveal himself to Moses, but he, re, or, but he revealed himself to the people of Israel through different ways. It was at this mountain that they got to know God. It says in Exodus chapter 34 that uh, when Moses came down the mountain, it was like his face was shining because he had been with God. But Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6 says, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb. I want to focus on that part. The Lord our God said to us in Horeb. Okay, so this name, the Lord our God, there's a lot to that name. Okay, so the Lord our God literally means Yahweh our God. Okay, it's the personal name for God. It emphasizes this idea that Israel was close in intimacy with God, that they had a personal relationship with him. Through their time on the mountain, they got to know God as one got to know a friend. And after about a year, though, see, God doesn't let us just hang out there, okay? Fall retreat is not just for fall retreat. Heaven meets earth was not just for heaven meets earth. He doesn't just let you stay on the mountain. And some of us love staying on the mountain. We'll sing worship songs all day long. But we don't want to get off the mountain. God says it's time. After a year, he said, it's time for you to get off this mountain. It's time for you to do what I've called you to do. But despite having to leave the mountain after a period of time, it's important to note that that was a critical time in the life of Israel or in the life of Israel. So for us, if we're going to reap the harvest that God calls us to reap, if we're going to reach this campus, we have to continually go on the mountain and be with God. We have to be connected to Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus has to be our top priority. Okay, John 15, 5 says this. It says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, which means to remain, it's kind of like you're hiding yourself in Christ, okay, hanging out with him. Whoever abides in Christ he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So without the mountain, without time with God every day and every week, then you can't do anything for him. I encourage you guys, I encourage you to make a decision that each day you're going to spend time with the Lord. You're not that busy. You're busy. Don't get me wrong. You're not that busy. You're too busy not to pray, right? You're too busy not to spend time with the Lord. Like, you need him to get through the day, right? I encourage you, set aside time to be with the Lord every single day. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know scripture is part of it. I know prayer is part of it. So do those two things. If you want to dance around and sing or whatever, you can do that too. But I'm encouraging you to read scripture and to pray every single day. And then set aside time to be here. And you're here tonight, so I know I'm preaching to the choir. But guys, we need each other as well, right? We need each other in large group and small group. I encourage you to, to, to make a decision that, that your intimacy with God is your top priority. Although we must go on the mountain, though, to be with God, we, there's a danger in only wanting to be on the mountain. There's a spiritual danger there. So the third point tonight is this. If we want to reap the harvest, we can't stay at the mountain forever. And I think I've been making that point, but just let me unpack that a bit more. Israel struggled to act on what God called them to do. As we'll see throughout this series, as we're hanging out in, in this chapter, we'll see that they can repeatedly Struggle. They wanted to just hang out at the security of the mountain and be comfortable. 
I like this space. I like hanging out with you guys. Like most of you are at least open to Christ. This feels good. I like my quiet time with the Lord. But sometimes when I'm out on the streets and trying to share my faith, I don't like that as much. It's not comfortable. Okay, and that's what Israel struggled with. They wanted just to kind of hang out on the mountain. But God had a dream for them. God had a plan for them. And he knew that the only way that they could fulfill that dream and that plan is if they stepped out of their comfort zone. And like they were literally risking their lives. They were going to war. Okay, so we're going to spiritual war, which is important, but it's not like you're going to go and, and get hurt physically. Okay, but they struggled to do this. Verse 6 again, I'm going to say this a lot. He said, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Our mountaintop experiences cannot stay on the mountain. Our worship tonight should fuel our mission. It should be this pattern that happens in the life of Chi Alpha where we sing our guts off on Tuesday night. I don't even know if that's a good phrase, but we sing a lot. We sing passionately. We love the Lord. But then it overflows to mission throughout the week. This night should change the rest of your week. This should change you. When you get in the presence of God, hear the preaching of the word, that should change you. And then you go out and you live on mission all week long. And then you're pumped because someone responded to the gospel. Or you just didn't get rejected as bad as the week before and you're excited about it. Or you got rejected and you're like, hey, I got to be like Christ this week who was rejected in the worst of ways. I get to identify with Jesus this week and actually, actually relate with him. And then you come back to this place and your mission actually flows into worship again. And then your worship flows into mission. And then your mission flows into worship. But all we do is we keep worshiping. We don't want to live on mission. Or we worship half-heartedly. We're like, okay, Lord, if you bring someone to me this week who says I'm a Christian and I would love to find a campus ministry, I'll totally tell them about Chi Alpha. That doesn't count. Okay? God has called us to go to people who, didn't, or who do not know him and to share his love with them. And please invite the Christians, too. I want them, too. I'm not saying, guys, I'm a Christian, if you didn't know that. I want Christians to come too, but go and find people who don't know Jesus. We can't let the mountain stay on the mountain. We have to allow the love of God to compel us. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that, we're convinced that one died for all. The love of Christ compels us. In other translations, it says, controls us. I would propose that if you're struggling to share your faith, maybe, I'm talking to myself, guys, maybe we don't know the love of God well enough. Maybe we haven't encountered him recently. I'm just going to say this. If you never share your faith, I don't know if you know Jesus. If you never, ever want to share your faith. I'm not saying that to convict you who are not Christians in here. Okay, you haven't known Jesus. But if you're a Christian and you never share your faith, then there should be some confusion or some conviction from the Holy Spirit. Guys, we are called. That's part of who we are, is to let the love of God flow into our hearts and then flow outwards to people. Our vertical love has to flow out to horizontal love. Let God's love compel you. As I said earlier, it's been incredible. We've had mountaintop experiences in this community. We've had great, great times with the Lord. We've seen people get saved. We've seen incredible things happen. But over the last year, we've been sensing that the Holy Spirit is taking us in a new direction. If you only came for the announcement, here it is, okay? About a year ago, I was presented with an opportunity to take on more Chi Alphas, specifically Upper Iowa University. If you know where Upper Iowa is, does anyone know what that campus is like or been there? Okay, seriously, you can raise your hand. Okay, a few people have been there, like eight of you. It's a great campus. It only takes three minutes to walk across. And it's in the tiniest town in the world. 
It's good, though. It feels like a personal retreat when you go there. Like, I went there last Wednesday and met with some officials there. It's incredible. I'm like, this is great. People actually say hi to you. You're walking around campus. Okay, so anyways, you don't care about that. So a year ago, I found out that the director of that Chi Alpha was going to be transitioning and, and planting a Chi Alpha at a different college, and our state director of Chi Alpha asked us if we would want to take that Chi Alpha on. And you're wondering, how do you lead a Chi Alpha that's an hour away? Great question. I'm trying to figure that out. I'm kidding. We have an idea. Okay, so here's our idea. Uh, just over the next few years, you're going to see our staff team expand. Okay, just in this next year, Derek will, is going to be moving to full-time staff, and we're going to have three interns, Casey, John, and Marcus. Okay, and... Uh, and we're going to have a bigger team, and it's going to keep growing over the next few years. And our hope is that God will use us not just to reach Upper Iowa, but campuses all around us that don't have campus ministries. And what we're going to do is take a day a week and send our missionaries to these different campuses to spend a day a week at these campuses. So Upper Iowa, every Wednesday, Mr. Derek Quimby, who's been over here, is going to wake up early okay, after having Kyle. But he'll still do all, all the things he's doing here. He'll be preaching more, too, here. Okay, so he's going to have a lot going on. He'll wake up on Wednesday morning. Ask someone to come with him so he's not by himself. So maybe Marcus, maybe John, Casey, maybe some of you if you want to go. And he'll spend the day at Upper Iowa meeting with students, you know, discipling them, meeting with leaders. And then he's going to put on a service on Wednesday nights up at that campus. So pray for that man. He's not going to have a lot of nights free next, year, <laughs> next semester. Okay, but Derek, I'm not trying to toot Derek's horn, but he's been doing some other stuff too, along with some other people. So he's not doing this one alone. But over the course of this year, we've connected with a lot of Hawkeye students. And honestly, I just haven't thought a lot about Hawkeye. I just, you know, do my thing here. And I just figured, hey, they can come over here if they want to be part of our Chi Alpha. But we've had some students who have transferred to Hawkeye or, or have had students from Hawkeye come to our Chi Alpha. And we realized that there's really no student orgs over there that are Christian ministries. And people were starting to feel a call towards that. So I literally sent an email to an incredible lady over at Hawkeye who runs all the student life stuff and said, hey, uh, what do we have to do to become a student org? She's been so awesome. Now, thank, thank God for her because her, like, incredible nature and just, like, oh, yeah, this is easy has made it where I've had to kind of walk in that direction because the Lord just swinging doors open. And now we have a student organization at Hawkeye, and we've been doing some meetings over there. So today, Derek and Jacob Enos and, and Zach Bielendorf went over there, uh, and they had a, a small group. I don't even know what they did exactly, but they were over there. <laughs> and they go around, and they connect with students in the Brock Student Center, if you if you've heard of that, like random students, just bunch of random students, and they've been trying to develop a Bible study. And it was really cool. Last week they met a guy, and then Derek and I are going to Caribou yesterday because we love our coffee shops. We have an, I have a problem. I think I drink like 10 cups of coffee today. But anyways, uh, so we go there, and that guy that Derek connected with the week before was at Caribou. And we met that guy, and then his friend had seen an interview that I did with a student on a video in a class at UNI and said, hey, I know you from that video. And we're like, whoa, what is God doing? Okay, so we talked with them, and, and the friend that actually goes to Hawkeye, went to their Bible study thing today. So point is, God is doing something over there. I feel like I'm not doing anything, but God is just swinging doors open. People are walking through it, and it's incredible. So now we are one ministry on three campuses. So first of all, you need to pray for us and pray for yourself, because I hope you help out. Like, you can go to Hawkeye anytime you want with us and help us. Um, but I'm believing that God wants to call us to not just stay at the mountain. I love what we do here, but we can't just stay here. Okay, we can't just keep this all to ourselves. There are campuses all around us who need an, ex an expression of the kingdom of God. Not just those campuses. I'm thinking of Ellsworth Community College. I'm thinking of Nyack. I'm thinking of Kirkwood Community College. God's got some stuff for us over the next few years. We will not stay here. We will not get complacent. We are always going to say, we're going to go up the mountain, but then we're coming down, and we're going to go reach as many people as we can. And all at the same time, we want to reach this campus. 
Okay, so we're not going to forget about you and I. Okay, I'm called here. Okay, I'm hoping that as we go out, it's actually going to encourage us to reach out more here. I'm hoping that something happens that we'll be a missional community, a community that does not get complacent, but instead is compelled by the love of God to go and to reach their friends. All right. There's one more thing I would just want to say briefly, and we'll be done. Okay, so verses 2 and 3 give us an, an interesting principle that you probably, or probably won't notice if you just read it, but uh, let me explain it to you. Okay, so it says this. It is 11 days' journey from Horeb, by the way, of Mount Seir, to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him and commandment to him. So this is the last point unfaithfulness to God will delay the harvest. Unfaithfulness to God will delay the harvest. Okay, so how did I get that from that passage? You're like, what is he talking about? Okay, so if you notice, it says in verse 2 that it's, a, that it's an 11-day journey from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, which is the spot they landed before they went into the promised land. It's the border, the, or the border of the promised land. But it says that it took them 40 years to get there. Okay, so why did it take them 40 years when it's only an 11-day journey? How does it take you that long? That's a long time. They had once been on the precipice, as I said earlier, of the promised land 40 years prior, but, but they let fear and unfaithfulness to God and what he told them to, or told them to do delay the taking of the promised land. And so God punished them for their unfaithfulness, and they wandered for 40 years until everyone in that generation was dead. Because God said, I'm not going to give the promised land to you. I'm giving it to your children. Okay, so the people that are on the precipice of the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 1 are actually the children of the people who were freed from, it, or freed from Egypt. And the reason they lost out on that opportunity to, to go in the promised land is because, because they were not faithful. If we want to see God do incredible things, we have to be faithful to him. Guys, my top priority, yes, is reaching people, but even more so than that, is being faithful to God, being faithful to the scriptures, being faithful to what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do, and, and being people of character and people of integrity. You know, they're not people that get more broken about other people's sin, but not our own, but people who are humble and continually see how we are broken before God and how incredible it is that, that God gave his own son for us. And then we go and try to help people out of that. Like, not people who are just focused on trying to fix everyone else, but who first know who we are, and we try to be people of integrity and character. Okay, so that's our top Priority. We have to be faithful. If we're not faithful, then we're going to miss out on what God has for us, and we will not get to go into the promised land, and perhaps our children will come to you and I in 20 years, and they'll take the promised land, and they'll see the greatest revival that this campus has ever seen. But it's up to you. If you're faithful, I really believe that God has something incredible for our campus and for the campuses around us. But if you're not, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I've seen many preachers and great men of God, and women, but typically men, like men stink sometimes. I've seen many great men of God lose their ministries because of unfaithfulness, whether it's been cheating on their wives, or misusing money, or abusing power. Great, great anointed preachers, prophets, all that. They've lost everything because they didn't have character. As a community, we need to be sure that as we seek to be used by God, that we're faithful to keep the main things the main things. We're faithful to be faithful, or we're faithful to in the little things. Uh, so Luke chapter 16 says, one who's faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who's dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. And I want to share one more quote. The weight of leadership will crush inadequate character. 
The weight of leadership will crush inadequate character. So as we ask people to go to these other campuses, as we raise up more staff, as we raise up more small group leaders, if you don't have character, the weight of that leadership is going to crush you. So I want to encourage you, if you want to see God do all the things that he has for you, then the first and most important thing is that you are humble before him and that you are a person of integrity and you do what God has called you to do. All right, so the main idea is this tonight. I saved it for the end. If we want to realize God's dreams for us as a ministry and as individuals, we have to, we have to live with a sense of urgency that causes us to never, or to never stay on the mountain. I don't know what brought each of you here tonight. If I had to guess, there's probably some of you who are here just because a friend invited you and you wanted to be a good friend, and thank you for being a good friend. It's nice when someone invites you. You say, I'll go even though I don't want to just because I'm a good friend. Thank you for coming and being that good friend so you can encourage them. And maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you feel warmly welcomed and free to journey with us in this community. You're free to journey. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to journey with us. But I do want to make a plea to you tonight to consider Jesus. Every morning when you take your first breath of the day, you are given a new opportunity to have relationship with God. As we see in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, a relationship with God was only possible if you went through a bunch of rituals to get clean enough to interact with him. And even if you did get clean, it wasn't permanent. Like you had to come and do another sacrifice next year. You had to continually do these ceremonial washings, all this not fun stuff that makes people not want to read the Bible. But when Jesus came, he made it possible for us to be clean before God. And not by works, but by faith, by faith in what he did on the cross. He made it possible for our sins to be washed away and for us to be as white as snow before the holy God. And he made it possible for God's presence not just to stay on the mountain, but to go into all the earth through the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid a penalty for your sins and for my sins. We each have a penalty because we've disobeyed God. He paid that price on the cross. He stood in our place. And the Bible says if we trust in that sacrifice, if we put faith in that sacrifice, we'll be clean before God. And when God looks at us, he won't see our sin, he won't see us, but he'll see Jesus. That is the best news you can ever hear because I don't know about you, but this world at time can be hopeless. My own heart can be hopeless. As I look at the sin in my heart, like sometimes I get a little hopeless. I'm like, God, I've been struggling with this for 10 years. Can you please help me? Please help me to be humble. Please, Lord. Why can't I get this sin out of my life? Guys, our world is broken. Not only that, though, not only is sin an issue in our world, but death is an issue, right? Death is an issue. Just today, I was on Facebook, and I saw this post. I shouldn't have looked at it. It said, see more. I shouldn't have clicked on it. It's a picture of a baby, and, and, and it's a baby who died at nine months old. You know, I had, had heart issues and all this stuff, and I just wept in my office as I thought about how broken and messed up our world is. And I just said to God, it's like, God, this can't be all there is, right? There's so much death and decay in our world. Like, babies die, right? That should mess with us. But the cool thing, the cool thing, and this is the only way we can take any hope in these circumstances, is when Jesus rose from the grave, right? Because scriptures say that Jesus rose from the grave three days after he was crucified. He declared death defeated. And it says in the word that at the last day, God will raise up all of our dead bodies and we'll be judged. And some of us will be with him for eternity and some of us, or some of us will not. But I'm thankful for, for a God who defeated death so I can have an opportunity to have eternal life. I share all that to say this. 
all you have to do to experience that eternal life is put your trust in Jesus. I encourage you, if you have never done that, to do that tonight. And the Bible says that if you do that, that the Holy Spirit, like God himself, will come and live inside of you. And you'll have a new heart. It's an incredible promise. And that's the message we're called to preach. But hey, maybe you came tonight and you're already a Christian. You already have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That's you. I want to encourage you tonight. I pray that you would be compelled to not be self-centered and to not live a self-centered faith because, guys, I personally know my own selfishness and it's, it's pretty bad, right? We're all selfish. But I encourage you to not give into that, to not live a self-centered faith, but instead to be compelled to not just stay at the mountain, but to go down the mountain and to share what God has done in your life with other people. Guys, we're plan A, plan B, plan C. God has called us to go and reach our lost and dying world. And I pray that you would not be self-centered, but instead, if you're a Christian, that you'd be so compelled by the love of God that you would, wherever you go, you would share God's love, both in the way you treat people and through your words. I pray that we would be that people as a community. If you'd stand with me, we're gonna close. If we can live with this urgency, this urgency to share God's love, if we can embrace this idea of not staying on the mountain, I believe that God is not only going to change our campus, but he's going to change other campuses and change the world. That's what we're going for, right? We're going after complete world change, right? We want to change our world. All right, if you bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to give you two opportunities to respond tonight. The first one is this. If you came here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you once were, but you walked away I want to give you an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus, as I talked about. Just to say, Jesus, I trust you. I need salvation. I need your Holy Spirit. And the way we're going to do that is I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I just want you to slip up your hand as a signal between you and God. You're saying, God, I want to be saved. Okay, so one, two, three. Slip up your hands all across this room. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else in this room? All right, you can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you quick. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, and you pray in your heart. God, tonight we come before you and we confess that we're broken, that we're sinful, that we've fallen short. But God, we take heart tonight because we've heard the good news that you gave your life for us. Tonight, Jesus, we put our faith in you. We put our faith in your sacrifice. We put our faith in the fact that you rose from the grave. And God, I pray tonight that you would put the Holy Spirit inside of each of our hearts and that each of us would be new creations in the name of Jesus. All right, and the second question is this. If you're a follower of Jesus in this place and you want to make a commitment before God and before your friends to not be complacent, to not stay on the mountain, but to go down the mountain and to share God's love with this campus and with your friends, can you put your hands up to heaven right now? I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to worship. God, we pray tonight that you would see the cry of our hearts. God, we confess that apathy creeps in at times, self-centeredness creeps in. But God, we want to be used by you to, to reach our friends. God, I pray that there be this overflow of your love in our hearts that would cause us to be compelled to reach out to our friends with your love. So God, I just pray for love tonight to be deposited into our hearts, supernatural love. God, give us your heart for people. God, help us to see how much you love our friends, even our friends who are frustrating at times. God, I pray that you'd help us to see how much you love them. God, I pray that you give us a baptism of love tonight in the name of Jesus Show us your love, God. Show us your love that puts you on the cross. Jesus, we want your heart for our campus. And God, we want your heart for our state and for our, our families and for all of the people we know who don't know you. So Jesus, give us your love tonight. 
your name. 